As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. Hey loves, welcome to Mouth Off Radio, the weekly podcast from nastagout.com. I'm your host Paige Martin and today we'll be joined by model and journalist Simran Randawa. We're going to be covering all topics from representation in the industry, how she learned to relate to feminism and her extensive crystal knowledge. Thank you again for joining us this week and don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. So here she is, Simran. Thank you for having me. You're so stunning in real life. Oh, like, it's, it's a bit annoying. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. So tell our guests a little bit, well, our listeners, I should say, because you're the guest, but more about yourself, what you do. You are very talented, multifaceted. Thank you. Wonderful. Yeah. So I guess like the easy, short way to say it is that I'm a model and journalist. I think model is pretty like self-explanatory. Um, and then journalist kind of like encapsulates all of the different things that I do within that. So like I do like some TV presenting stuff. I like go on podcasts like this. I write articles. I like talk about everything from identity to mental health to food. Um, yeah, I feel like I always undersell myself when it comes to stuff like this. But, then but when I you do start like talking, it all comes out. Yeah, <laughs> but I like do so much and work with like a range of different brands. So yeah, I'm really bad at selling myself. <laughs> <laughs> so as you said, you are a journalist and you have done um, some written submissions and publications. What has been your favourite achievement or a place that you've seen your words being published and you're like, whoa, Mama made it? Um, I. I'd say, like, one of the favourite pieces that I've written, it wasn't, like, necessarily one of the biggest in terms of, like, platform. Yeah. But, so my friend Vivek did a photo series. Like, he was commissioned by Ace and Tate, like, the eyewear brand, yeah. to um, do, like, one of their campaigns. And then I wrote a 
editorial to accompany it and it was like I thought it was really sweet and it was on like everyone talks about representation in the media and stuff which mm -hmm. is definitely important but then I kind of like twisted it and I wrote about the importance of like the re representation of optimism okay. and like happiness in the media because I feel like in the news and stuff we're always so used to seeing so much like negative new like negative Doom press and yeah. yeah and like just like the importance of yeah being seeing the representation of actually happiness and like it's possible to still be happy. I had a stalk of your Instagram, as I do every person who has um, been on the show, and I saw that you'd worked with UN Women. Yeah. And um, I love that. It's an absolute dream of mine to be like to do something like that. What did you do exactly, and what was that experience like? It was actually like very surreal. Um, it was, it, and it was like kind of bridging the gap between two of my areas of interest, so it was fashion and then like, yeah, UN and activism and stuff. Um, so it was kind of in collaboration with the UN, like UN Women and this um, fashion brand called Teton Jones. Mm -hmm. And basically together they hosted this round table and it was kind of like the whole premise was like round table, not runway. And it was a group of like loads of different women like Monroe, Bergdorf and like Carolyn Franklin and myself, um, loads of different women, loads of different backgrounds and experiences all kind of like talking towards what the current state of fashion is and how that can like move forward and how we can actually use fashion as like an actual medium of change and like changing narratives and shifting and representation and kind of just very like forward-facing and very like transformative and it was actually really empowering and really um, educational as well I learned so much from like the women on the, that panel. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that there's like so much talk about representation, like in front of the camera. So for example, we talk about, you know, there needs to be diverse models on runways and in campaigns and like stuff like that, which I definitely agree with. But I also think that sometimes too much emphasis gets put on like the foreground. And actually we need to start thinking about it in terms of the backstages as well. Because if, like even just speaking as my experience as a model, like, the amount of times I've worked with like a makeup artist of colour, for example, is like a handful. Mm. Um, and then like even then working with a non with like a non white woman, like she's more able, more likely to be able to like match my foundation or like seeing like my black model like peers mm. like not being able to have their hair done because they don't understand Afro hair and stuff yeah. like that. And then and then yeah, like product design and found like you know just normal like yeah if we're going to stick within beauty then like the foundation shades and yeah. like pigment being able that's able to show up on like melanin skin, skin and yeah. stuff like that like it really needs to trickle down and then like advertising and like advertising to minorities in like a relevant and like coming from a place of honesty yeah not yeah like what i think this is what yeah you yeah be, yeah but like not being created by people for the people yeah not like being approached in almost like a stereotypical manner yeah yeah so it's breaking so. those stereotypes yeah yeah which, for sure you know it happens all the time yeah in representation yeah. so yeah and definitely i think like things are changing and moving forward and you know it's never as fast or as transformative or as radical as like you want it to always be mm -hmm. but i think for a while like the diversity topic was very kind of like latched onto by a lot of like companies and they kind of used it as like a selling point and then kind of like moved on to the next thing but I think actually we need to as consumers it's our like responsibility to continue that conversation and make sure like they don't just forget about it.
Whilst I was uh, stalking your Insta, I saw <laughs> that you also modelled for Fenty. Yeah. What was it like being called up to represent the Queen? I really? think that I actually think that was like I can like retire happily now. <laughs> Honestly, that was like like Fenty emailing you and be like, "Hi, we want you to model for us." Like that. Like I don't even know how to describe it. It was yeah. just such like a yeah. It was definitely like a career goal for me, and it was like. As someone who's a fan of her and a fan of like genuinely fan of like Fenty Beauty and products and stuff like that, I'm really I don't even know how to articulate myself during this entire question because I don't I still haven't even processed it. It was like in February, literally like it was insane. But like Rihanna, if you're watching this, I'm ready for like Savage Fenty. (laughs) All of them. uh, Yeah, Fenty LVMH. Like I'm ready for all of it. Excellent. Well, you heard that here first. (laughs) Um, So we talk a lot about feminism on this show and it's kind of like the main pillar of our discussions when we have our guests in. Um, And I personally think it's important to be aware of what feminism means and being a feminist means to different women from different backgrounds. Um, And that could be social, it could be economic. Um, What was your experiences of um, being a feminist or feminist issues as a British Asian woman growing up in the UK? It was interesting because like my first exposure to feminism, well it's not even like my first exposure, like I was very fortunate that I grew up with parents who always really encouraged me to like do whatever I want. like they never told me what to wear or what to study or who to be friends with. And my dad always, 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 like for as long as I can remember, um, emphasised the importance of like financial independence to me. And he was always like to me, you know, you need to make sure you have a career, you need to make sure you have savings, you need to make sure you like have your own money before you even like get married or anything like that. That's cool. Um, So I kind of always like was taught to have this very like independent mindset. And like I was always very like standing up for myself and standing up for my friends, but it wasn't until secondary school and like around A-levels time when I was like doing sociology that I kind of became more exposed to I guess the theory side of it Mm -hmm. and it like really resonated with me but like I don't know if most people have this experience like as with most things my first um, exposure to feminism was like very like white feminist theory so it was all like what is that book the book that was written like ages ago and it was like it's talking about um like housewives in America being bored. I can't remember the exact name mm-hmm. of it, but it's like a very like niche kind of like experience of women that didn't necessarily relate to me. And I remember reading it and being like, hmm, I, I kind of, I, yeah, I understand the sentiment, but I can't relate. Yeah. It doesn't speak to me. It doesn't speak to like any of like the women that I've grow up, grown up with surrounding me and my family, like all works from as long as I can remember. And so I was like, that was like, at that point, I was kind of like, hmm, okay. And we always used to have really interesting debates in A-level sociology. Then I went on to do it in um, university. I studied sociology in university, and it was there that I was like exposed to a lot more of like the intersectional feminism yeah. and like a lot more, um, a lot more academic texts that like validated my experience a lot. Yeah. Like, in t- and I think. At that point, it was important for me because I really struggled with university at the same time because I was like a minority within a minority on campus and I felt like very alienated and very isolated. So kind of like having that validation like really spoke to me. And then like I went on 
to do my dissertation on like the experience of women of colour at my university. Yeah. And it was really interesting and like really depressing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I guess that's like a really long-winded answer to your question. That's what we like. We like to have conversations here. You had grown up in the UK and had experiences in which you felt like it didn't necessarily apply to you mm-hmm. um, because of your background. So I want to know a little bit more about who your style heroes are and what your experience of growing up as um, a, a young British Asian woman was. Like, did you follow all the trends that your friends did or did, was there any influences from your heritage and stuff like that that is, plays into who you are now? Yeah, like, interesting. I think I don't really care about my style until maybe I was about 12, 13. Mm-hmm. And then, like interestingly like and I only kind of realized this now like looking back on it a lot of like my streetwear influences like I love streetwear now yeah and a lot of it actually began when I was like 12 13 and my dad used to take me to Wembley market okay and we used to buy like knockoff Nikes because we couldn't afford like the real ones all the time yeah um and I think just like I was like surrounded by like a very working class culture that was like, which kind of, yeah. Like, it yeah, it influenced my style, but like indirectly, and I didn't realize at the time. And, um, and then as I got older, I like went through like an emo phase. <laughs> Same. <laughs> it was like a little wannabe emo. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then I grew up and then I became like a bit of an indie kid. Like it was like my soft transition out of yeah. emoism. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then, yeah, I think I, but the thing is, I think I only really like nailed my style in like the last two years maybe. And mm-hmm. I think up until that point, I've always kind of like been in flux and in transitioning and still experimenting as to like what feels right and what doesn't and I think even to this day like some days I want to look a little bit more feminine and like most days I look like a lot more like tomboyish which I'm fine with but there's still like a lot of duality within my style which I'm like totally fine with yeah Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAS10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. 
And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Now, I wanted to touch on mental health issues too, Mm -hmm. Um, as I've seen that you've been very open about this in the past. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your journey um, and your experiences, what you've written about, and any activism that you're a part of? I don't really know where to begin. I just try to be relatively transparent. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, you can't be transparent all the time online, especially. But I try to be, like, relatively transparent because I'm very aware that my um, following is, like, predominantly quite young girls. Mm -hmm. And I just want... I think, yeah, it's just more than anything, like, I want them to know that it's, like, okay, And, like, lots of people actually do go through it. And, like... um, yeah, as part of that, like I've done panels, I've done written articles, as transparent as I can be whilst maintaining like my space and like mm. still looking after myself, but being able to like find a way to communicate that, you know, it's okay to struggle and people do go through it. And like also, there are so many nuances within mental health. Like, yeah. I definitely believe that, um, like, your background, your cultural background the way you've been brought up like that can also like have impacts on like your mental health and how you're taught to like view the world because mm-hmm. I know like for example in a lot of Asian communities like mental health is still very much like a taboo and not really seen as like a serious issue yeah um and so I think like a lot of my awareness for a while was like actually trying to like change older generations mindsets and attitudes towards mental health yeah yeah um, I follow on Instagram, is it um, Desi Finesse, which is one of the Instagram accounts, and yeah. it's all of what drew me to it, it was like this safe space for young Asian women to come and, and celebrate their culture and still, you know, get on with like life in the UK and stuff, yeah. and I learned so much, and yeah. like all the slang words and all the little <laughs> memes and the jokes, and I'm like laughing in the background, like, <laughs> you know, that's really funny and cute, and they actually had this week about the attitudes of um, older generations and mental health, mm-hmm. and be okay with that you have an issue, but also to be okay that people do not see it as an issue, yeah. but you still have to accept that for yourself and kind of deal with it, um, which I thought was really good, and I know it happens across all cultures and backgrounds that, you know, I think it, it's probably Probably a bit of an age thing as well, maybe yeah. older generations yeah. um, didn't have the tools to recognise the issues like we do now. Yeah, um, sure. So I think, yeah, it, it's one of those things that does bring everyone together. It's quite common across all yeah. threads of life. So yeah. yeah, it was really good. I love to see different um, cultures and um, different demographics and just how they're getting on and having their conversation. Because as you said, like when you were reading that book about housewives in the 50s and it doesn't really connect to you. It's important that we do look at, when we talk about feminism, all different backgrounds, everyone's issues, yeah, and yeah. try and change that. And I think, like, especially in, like, the age of, like, the internet, social media, Instagram, whatever, whatever, like, even Twitter, it's so... I think it's increasingly easier to, like, educate yourself on, yeah. like, different issues and yeah. different cultures and stuff. Definitely. And I kind of, like... Yeah, I don't really think that there's as much excuse anymore. No, as to like why, Yeah, yeah why just, not? be respectful exactly don't overstep the line but you can still like learn like exactly. from over here and i think know? everyone will like and benefit from that definitely so really cool. definitely um so just going back to what you were saying like um going through your journey 
um, and having written about mental health issues and stuff, but you're also very much in the limelight, like you are a very prominent <laughs> influencer and stuff, and you're a model. Have you found um, any tools that have helped you with your career and like to block out all the haters and the negative press and stuff like that, or is it just something that you just had to learn and deal with on the job and you're still dealing with? Or? Yeah, I think it's like more the latter. Like I think initially, and I think kind of even still to this day, because a lot of it like happened very fast in terms of like my following like pretty much grew in the space of six months, like from like 2K to like 100K, like mm. out of nowhere. And um, it was like very overwhelming. And I think for a long time I was struggling with like big feelings of overwhelmingness and like not how, knowing how to deal with it. And like so many people's opinions on you, like DMs and questions. And like sometimes I'll get DMs of people like offloading really heavy stuff onto Whoa, me, yeah. which is like, you know, obviously like I'm not complaining, but like sometimes you read it and you're not in the, like you're just kind of going through your DMs. You're not in the headspace. You yeah. just kind of like reply to someone like asking for like serious relationship or family advice or something like yeah. that um so i think yeah i did find it very overwhelming but i think now it's more just like learning how to deal with that side of things and like knowing that actually like i can compartmentalize it and i don't have to be on my phone all day i don't have to be on social media all day and i like i i'm not obliged to reply to every single person of who course. like talks to me as well yeah because it is like draining and mm. i need to still be able to maintain energy to then go on and like do my own creative work if I need to like write articles or like do something for a brand or whatever like yeah. I still have to not outpour all my energy into one place mm -hmm. I think that's been like the biggest learning curve for me yeah just finding that balance I yeah guess. for sure yeah um so what do you do to um decompartmentalize literally like I have this I have this setting on my phone like I don't know you probably like you probably have it it's mm. the screen time thing on iPhone oh, and I have it um, I have a limit for social media per day, okay. which is two hours. Yeah. And like, if it's or the second two hours is up, even if it's like 12 p.m. or like 8 p.m., like when two hours is up, I try not to like go past my limit unless yeah. I actually really have to. Yeah. And I found that like really useful because sometimes I'd be like, I'd get to the end of the week and then it'll be like, your screen report, you've been on your phone like six hours, on average six hours a day. And I'd be like, what the hell? Like, that's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Like, how? But then like when you're doing emails or like replying to DMs, like it all just kind of adds up. Yeah. Um, and I also try to take one so yeah, a couple of things I do is I always make sure that I have a lunch break and it's not like, unless I'm on shoot or something, it's not like a lunch break on the train or like something like that. Like I actually try to take like half an hour to eat my lunch yeah. and then like continue with my day. And um, I also like, my boyfriend's really sweet. He always takes me on like these really long walks and like forests and stuff. Like he'll oh. find like, a random forest or like a random park and he'll like take me for like a two hour walk which is always really really good oh that's really cute i <laughs> yeah. like that a bit of nature getting back a bit of exercise always yeah makes yeah i try good. like work out every day and i think like it's the thing that i've learned as well as being freelance like for me it's important having small bits of routine mm -hmm. every day so like for example my lunch is like a routine thing every day or like in the morning like waking up and going to the gym straight away like i need those small bits to yeah. like help structure the rest of my day yeah so routine as well. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So we're going to jump into some um, quick round questions. I love quick ready? round questions. Okay, here we go. Coffee or wine? 
wine. Ooh. Do you want uh, people uh, say coffee? Well, some people try and say what time of the day it is and oh, see what's expected. No. But you know, we've gone Listen, past midday now, so. Carnival, I started drinking at 4.30 in the morning, so. <laughs> <laughs> like, time is not a problem. No, okay. <laughs> what are you, red or white or rosé? White or rosé. Okay, I'm cool. not really a fan of red because I feel like it's like drinking blood. Oh. I don't know. I don't know if it's just me. Like, and because it's so thick. Yeah. I don't know. It just freaks me out. Oh, I love red. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I had bad experience with white wine when I was like fresh into uni and then ever since then I'm oh, not, really? I can't. I feel like red is like more sophisticated. Like in I'm not sophisticated, it's just delicious to me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in my dream, like you know when you see Rihanna like leaving parties yeah. with a glass of red wine, it's always red and I'm like oh, damn. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose maybe I am like Rihanna. Someone famous dead or alive that you'd like to go on vacation with? Vacation? Doja Cat. Oh, what a legend. Yeah, I think she'd be so much she'd fun. She'd be so she'd funny. Be Where would yeah. you go with her? Doja or Megan the Stallion? I'd like I couldn't keep up with her knees. Yeah, that's true. Her twerk skills okay, are okay, too on point. Let's go with Doja Cat. I think we'd go to like Vegas. Somewhere fun, Ibiza. Oh yes. Yeah, Ibiza with Doja Cat. Yeah, that would be sick. That's a good answer. I love that. <laughs> um, do you believe in the afterlife? Um I believe in a variation of it. Mm-hmm. I believe that, like, our energy never dies. No, leave a little bit behind. Yeah. Um, do you have any guilty pleasures? <laughs> uh, I can't say it because... <laughs> it's like, okay, to me, it's not weird, but, like, in relation to the rest of my interests, it's relatively an outlier. But, like, I love John Mayer. I don't know why. I just love him. Really? I love him. Like, I love him. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I that. <laughs> Do you think artificial intelligence will end up benefit, harming, or destroying humanity? Ooh, I'm, like, a big sci-fi fan. Yeah. So, like, in my ideal scenario, it would be, like, there'd be some crazy battle and then we'd have to all, like, spend for ourselves. Like Terminator style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when we go to the arcade, like, there's this Aliens game that where you have to, like, get a, like, gun and shoot the screen and yeah. I always go off and, like, <laughs> I, I, like, my boyfriend will be, like, knocked out and I'll be, like, three rounds ahead, like, still going strong. <laughs> so... Okay, not you're quite, ready, you're yeah, prepared. basically not quite your answer. You're ready like, for some shit to pop yeah, off, I'm basically. Ready, okay. basically. I'm on your team then. <laughs> um, do you think dating apps have killed romance? Yes. Yeah. Overall, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, what is the worst date you've ever been on? The worst is, basically, <laughs> I've been on, like, accidental dates. Oh. Have you, has that ever happened to you? Well, basically, <laughs> I think when I was younger, I was just so naive, and, like, I didn't actually realise it was a date. So, for example, this, like, when I was in Bristol, I made friends, I obviously made friends with, like, this guy, and he didn't live in London, and then, like, he was DMing me on Facebook one day, and he was like, oh, I'm going to be in, like, London this weekend, do you want to do something? So, like, there's me just thinking, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. cool, like... To be fair, yeah, even to this day, I don't really think I was wrong. I think he was in the wrong, because he was not very, like... I, I didn't even see him like that anyway. Yeah. And then, like, we're hanging out. And also, he didn't really have a plan. Okay. So we were just, like, hanging out, kind of wandering from here to, de to there. And then, like, it came time for him to, like, go get his train. And then he was like, so, was this a date? And I was just kind of like... No. I don't remember you asking me on a date. And then he was like, oh, can I ask you on a date now? And I was like, well, we've already hung out. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, that was traumatizing. Anyway, that was like one of my, that was the worst date because I don't even count it as a date, but it was trash. Trash. <laughs>
Um, what does the last text message you sent say? Probably that I was late on my way here. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, have you ever made the first move? Yes. Is that your, your thing? Do you like that, it? No, I've only done it once. Yeah. It's with my current boyfriend and it was like the best thing that I've ever done. Aww. And I never, I never do it because I'm like so scared of rejection. Yeah. But then like... Basically, so we used to go to uni together and I always had a crush on him in uni and then I forgot about him and then I found him on Instagram like this year and I was like, damn, he's still so fine. And then I was like, <laughs> fuck it, I'm just going to follow him because I was like, I'm blue tick, like he can't say anything to me. <laughs> I was like, fuck it. And then, um, and then I worked with like Nike a lot and they were like, we have tickets to like this basketball game, do you want to come? And I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to ask him. And then I did. And there you are. Oh, How long have you been together now? Like seven months. So not that living long, your life, mate. Long Taking enough, charge. Literally. Um, do you think there's life on other planets? Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily think they might not look like human form, but I think 100% there there's must be. There's got to be, right? Yeah. Of course. Okay, last question. What did you want to be when you were younger? An architect. Really? Yeah, I think it's like a really good balance between creative and logical. Okay. And I think I'm like, I'm in that balance too, yeah. but I didn't quite have the artistic skills, but I had like more of the logical skills. Yeah. But like still, I think architect would have been sick. One day I'm going to ask that question and the person's going to say the, the job, job that, that they're, they're actually doing, doing because oh. everyone's just like, no, I just wanted to be like... I didn't, uh, they didn't know what they wanted to be yeah. or they were like a fireman, no one's yeah. actually said that but like it's quite interesting and that's probably one of the biggest messages I'd give to young people But I think listening. also the fact that like, I didn't know that my job that I'm doing now Existed. could be a job. Like, Same here. I so, didn't realise what buy-in was until I accidentally stub stumbled into yeah. it but I know that people like go into it via uni and stuff like mm. that. I had no idea that there was a course that did that. And yeah. then you somehow end up where you end up, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. Don't worry about it. You can figure it out on the job. Literally. Amazing. Well, that was the last question. You've done really well, actually. That was the fastest one. Oh, really? Yeah. That was a really good one, actually. Damn. Most people, um, they don't know what to say or they feel so passionately about it that we kind of just go off on a tangent about things. But that was snap. Great. I bought like a blue crystal to help with my throat chakra today and it worked. Tell me more about crystals. Oh my god, wait, hold on. It's I need to know pocket. now. No, is it in this pocket or is it in my... Oh, it's here. Here we go. No I bought way. like a massive one. I'm so extra. <laughs> See, now this is something that I want to actually learn a lot more about. Really? And I'm actually thinking about introducing some of the products onto site. Um, yeah. For our gifting because I think, you know... When we talk about gifting now, it's all about self-love and self-gifting and trying to improve yourselves in all different ways. And like loads of people have told me about it and uh, I was like, oh, I don't know, like I don't know where to start, but I found like these really cool books and like little healing crystal starter set and stuff. So yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, I might, I might delve into I it. I did like a six week course with this lady. She had the store on Portobello Road. And like, honestly, I learned so much. Like she covered everything from like this actual, this actual science behind like crystals and stuff really? to like opening your third eye chakra, chakra and stuff. It was so, like it was so in depth. So the like, one that you have today is for? For like your throat chakra, which is blue and it helps with like, helps with communication, helps with expressing yourself. No way. Yeah. See, I need to get on this. <laughs> I need to get on extra. this. <laughs> no, it's not extra. You just 
doing you. I'm I love prepared. It. I'm prepared. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you so much for coming in and Thank having you a for chat. Having me. Have you enjoyed yourself? Yes, I have. Do you love our set? It's very cute. I'm a fan of this sofa, actually. It's very comfortable, yeah. isn't it? Thank you again for coming in. Let everyone know where they can find you on our social medias. You can find me um, on Instagram. My at is literally just my name, S-I-M-R-A-N. Nice and simple. Easy peasy. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone, this has been Mouth Off Radio. I've been your host, Paige Martin. Peace. everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.